0: For our third panel of the day, thank you. Great. Once again, my name is Andre Sospina. For those of you that are just coming in f- after the second panel, um, lead the membership division here at Family Office Club and also our Pitchdex.com division. Um, and today on the third panel, we're going to be discussing resilient real estate investment strategies, uh, discussion of strategies that are built to survive a downturn. Uh, so obviously this is going to be a very interesting conversation considering the amount of changes that the real estate h- market has made since the last correction, people's ability to crowdfund, rent out extra rooms on Airbnb, what Airbnb is doing to the market, what the federal interest rates are doing to the market, um, and everything from opportunity zones to the growth in self-storage and senior living. Um, all play into the new dynamics of today's real estate market. So I'm going to give uh, our panelists uh, right now a moment to introduce themselves, a quick minute introduction. Uh, but by, raise, by just a show of hands, who in this room is this panel relevant to that you're in the real estate? No chicken wings, guys. Let me see them nice and high. Great. Fantastic. Uh, so we will start with uh, Basco, please. How many their hands? Oh, okay. What I saw was about 90% of the people in the room right now raised their hands. So. so it wasn't sick, it yeah. No. No. Thank you. That's a great question. I appreciate it. Um, so. All
1: right, well, thank you, uh, Andres, for having me this morning. Um, very excited to be here again. Um, my name is Vasco Noia de Illinois. I run alternative investments for two uh, family offices in in LA, um, and I'd say 50% of our portfolio is in real estate, and this is uh, uh, mostly illiquid assets, so direct real estate as well as funds. Um, and then the balance of the portfolio is mostly in technology uh, between you know software <coughs> and, and biotech. And uh, and really, it's interesting. They're really at the opposite end of the risk spectrum, to some extent, those two asset classes. And we really believe they complement each other quite nicely, uh, at least in our portfolio. Um, so yeah, and like you said, you know, a lot of hap- a lot's happening in real estate um, lately. So so happy to discuss it this morning.
0: Uh, geographic areas of interest?
1: Um, mostly in the U.S., a little bit in Europe. Uh, but it's it, that's a good question. You know, it's, there's been a shift clearly in our focus between uh, from the coast uh, more in uh, in the Midwest, and really that is related to a compression in you know, the cap rates, uh, mes- mostly in the coast. So. I would say mostly in the Midwest and then a little bit in Southern
0: Europe also. And what type of real estate assets are we talking about here?
1: We're talking about mostly uh, multifamily, um, Class A multifamily, and more recently uh, industrial distribution centers, um, that, that type of assets.
0: Excellent, yeah. thank you. Uh, Leticia.
2: Hello, my name is Leticia Burbom, and I go by Tisha. Most people will never remember Leticia. <laughs> Um, I have a family office in uh, Southern California, and we focus on asset management. Depending on people's asset objectives, we are able to invest anywhere from 20 to 40% of their portfolio directly in real estate. So that's something that is a key feature of what we do. Um, They're a combination of liquid and illiquid investments. And we go across the board and we source our own funds, or we work with people like you guys in this room, and um, try to make sure our clients have a nice, diverse portfolio.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Uh, And you said diverse, but any specific asset classes that you guys focus on?
2: Yeah. So we like self-storage. Just a little bit of history behind us, we had a self-storage rate actually go public IPO and it's now um, publicly traded uh, that we're affiliated with, but that's just one piece. We also do um, um, hotels and we also like storage units like I said in the beginning. And then we also like um, class A and class B.
0: Excellent, thank you. Fadi?
3: Fadi of Teamios with Group RMC. We do uh, real estate. That's I recognize that's like saying we do stocks. It's such a broad term. So we we, we focus mainly on um, office space and particularly in the Midwest and Southeast. We've been doing it for a long time. Um, w- essentially we started out a few families that were buying real estate mainly in Canada. We did quite well and then when we moved to the U.S. to acquire assets, the assets tended to be a bit bigger so we started pulling in outside capital. Uh, and we really stick to our metrics in the Midwest and Southeast what we're looking for typically are very high cap rates, 7, 8, 9, 10 and higher if possible, or a really, you know, very strong value-add opportunity that we can turn into a lot of cash flow pretty quickly.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, last but not least, Evan.
4: Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. I'm Evan Renov. Uh, we run a single family office based out of New York. I personally split my time between Israel, New York, and Boston. Um, our focus is I say multifaceted it's uh, generally clinical stage biotech, early stage high tech and real estate. Um, when it comes to it just when it comes to clinical, we're always looking for good data in humans when it comes to early stage tech, we generally will um, do early stage sector agnostic, um, and we create our own platform. So we create multiple accelerators. We have a tech transfer, external tech transfer office working with colleges, hospitals, research institutes. And when it comes to real estate, to jump out of your question, we're generally focused on triple net leases um, and, and nursing homes. That's where our focus is in that area.
0: Geographic areas of interest. Um,
4: nursing homes would be in the you know northeast generally. When it comes to when it comes to triple net, we're looking all over. Again, a lot we're seeing in you know the Midwest as well now.
0: Is this due to the population of the elderly in these areas, or?
4: Um, yeah, I think it's a it, when it comes to to nursing homes, the reason why we like it really is also we we know how to operate them. But at the same time, um, at the same time, we also you know. The real estate there and the regulations in New York really lend towards something if you know how to navigate it, um, you know, good returns, uh, I would say, in the nursing home space. So obviously the increasing uh, elderly population certainly adds to that and it sort of becomes a crossover when you're operating nursing homes and you're in tech and you're seeing a lot, uh, a lot of technology in that space it gives us the opportunity to take those technologies and then go and implement them and run trials and do things in our, in our facilities as well.
0: Are you talking about more like medical, yeah, med tech? So
4: exactly. So because we're looking at that tech as well, we can go and do a pilot in one of our, you know, in one of our facilities that we can control. So it's, uh, it's really interesting. And obviously, we're offering you know, an added benefit to patients in, in the nursing homes.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, great. So I guess to start off with uh, my first official question, um, and we kind of touched it, touched up a little bit more on your um, strategic focus, um, but I guess to, to start off, what do you think versus what your strategy seven, eight years ago, what has definitely shifted towards your strategy now? Uh, and we'll start off with Pasco.
1: Um, so thanks for the, the question. Yeah, absolutely there has been Pretty dramatic shift in the way we allocate uh, our investments in the real estate world uh, we really started investing more on the on the coast and uh, over the last uh, let's say five years we've done certainly more investments in the midwest um, especially regarding the multifamily um, investments that we've done and we really have now targeted areas that we think uh, have potential for gentrification. And I'll use an example. We, we've done a number of investments in uh, East High Park, which is just south of Chicago. And um, that's where the University of Chicago is. That's where the Obama Presidential Library is going to be. Uh, it was not necessarily a good, a good neighborhood um, 10 years ago, and certainly has, done, has improved a lot. And that's, uh, that's an area in which we would not um, have investment maybe 10 years ago, but we have, we have now. Um, that's in part a result of uh, cap rates, of course, coming down on on the coast more so than in the Midwest. And so, you know, in, uh, as in many asset classes, you want to make sure you don't, you don't overpay in, in in real estate. And 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 so that's that has really driven uh, part of the shift in our in our strategy.
0: Got it. And any type of recent projects that you can kind of. Yeah. So more
1: recently. Um, we have acquired some industrial properties and mm-hmm. things that can be used uh, as distribution centers. Of course, that is on the, on the back of the growth in e-commerce um, mm-hmm. that we've seen. You know, a lot of the e-commerce uh, dis- groups have very large distribution centers outside of the urban centers, but they need also distribution centers more uh, closer to the to their customers. Um, telephone ringing and. Um, and so we have acquired some of these. And as it happens, some of these are in, uh, in opportunity zones, too, uh, which of course has some uh, added tax benefits to that. So that's an area in which we have um, gone more, more, more recently.
4: Yes? Great. Is, it, is the opportunity zones by design, or it just is an added? Uh,
1: no. So this is my philosophy in opportunity zones, is that you sh- it should be discarded in terms of the investment. The investment has to make sense on its own. If it happens to be an opportunity zone, great, but uh, that is really kind of like the last uh, item in our in our list. Um, in these cases, we we partnered with uh, landlords who already had the land, and so we came in uh, kind of like provided the capital to do the development. But these are situations where we didn't. There was not a price change after the the um, opportunity zone was introduced because that that we've seen that a little bit too.
0: Right. Thank you. Uh, Tisha, uh, so once again, to just reframe the question for you, major shifts in your strategy within, you know, eight years from today and, and today. What, what do you th- seeing as major shifts in terms of geographically, strategically, how you're looking at deals?
2: What do you think? Yeah, so um, diversification is important. So we try to invest in different areas of the real estate market and geographically. So historically, like you said as well, maybe more coastal. But right now, we're definitely doing um, the southern belt and Midwest as opportunities. So what we're looking for specifically are deals that maybe are already established, something that we can go in and add a little bit more capital. And it's already cash flow. And then we can increase pricing and go from there and continue to develop. So for example, Um, something that's important to us is finding an area that might have um, urban growth regardless. So there's colleges, there's universities, there's hospitals, maybe a train station, it's the first stop. So no matter what happens in the market, uh, it's gonna be sustainable. And so that's really important to us. The second thing that's really important to us is making sure that it's elastic. So our investments that we're looking at right now going forward have the ability to change prices quickly. So if the market changes, they're able to adapt. And our our bottom line is we want to make sure that our clients are getting the rate of return that we're projecting, including market fluctuations. So again, we know for a fact we've been on an upward growth for the markets and we continue to see, okay, yes, it's continuing to trend, but at some point in time, it's going to shift and we want to be prepared to go there and not have to, go back to clients and say, OK, well, well, we thought this, and then this is actually really what happened. So we're preparing, no matter what, um, if the market changes, that the, these um, locations will continue to be profitable.
0: Can you uh, elaborate a little bit more on what you said about the elasticity
2: Yeah, so in terms of being able to change prices. So for example, I said in the beginning, like self-storage, they have the ability to change prices very quickly. Uh, Someone else comes in in a month, they can increase prices or decrease prices depending on supply and demand. For example, if it's a hotel, for um, we add additional capital, we do some slight improvements and then we're able to then um, increase prices. They, hotels have the ability to change prices on a daily basis. They have to clearly be competitive within their area and their market with that they're working with. But for example, instead of having um, a fixed price, they have the ability to be able to change their prices and lower it and still maintain occupancy and keep cash flow. So th- and then for example if it's uh, single family we're also looking at the ability when they're renting they can increase one unit at a time and improve that and then um, change prices as they come up for renewal so we're looking at being able to change prices and then maintain to still um, maintain cash flow
0: got it excellent. Thank you uh, Fadi Question again on just the changes within the past decade and how that's changed your strategy overall
3: We haven't to be honest, we haven't really changed much in 20 years. I mean, that's uh, either we were really smart 20 years ago or, or we're slow to react now, but I don't think we're slow to react. We've been in the Midwest for about 10 years, and what fundamentally what we were doing for the last 10 years, we're still doing today, and our, our our strategy is is basically to go in, pay a lot less than what you would think, get a really good cap rate, and still have some upside, either bumping up your rents or it's a value-add proposition or... Uh, I think what uh, perhaps has changed, worked in our favour, is that we, we have a lot more scale now. So we're known in the Midwest, we're, you know, the biggest landlords in Kansas City, I think the biggest in Columbus, and uh, when something comes to market, uh, and, so, and in some cases they're private deals, we're going to probably get a good crack at it and we'll probably end up with the deal if we want it. Um, so reputation has, I mean, that's just over time uh... being in the in the the midwest for ten years we sort of have a reputation that we're going to close the deal and a seller we're we're typically buying off institutional sellers so when it's end of life and they need to sell they need somebody who's going to close so we're often the second or third highest bidder on a deal and we'll still get it because they know we'll close and we'll go through a quick proper due diligence process so that reputational um... advantage that we have right now in that area i think that's the only thing that's changed it wasn't strategic it was just over time doing business the right way has opened a lot more doors for us. So we're still seeing, um, uh, you know, years ago people, I remember doing conferences and, you know, people, families would ask us, well, why are you guys in the Midwest? And we'd have that joke, uh, that John Dillinger quote, and they used to ask him, why do you rob banks? And he'd say, well, that's where the money is. So we're in the Midwest because we thought that's where the money is. The the numbers just made sense. And that's, in a sense, worked in our favor.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Uh, uh, Evan.
4: Yeah, so our, our strategy definitely has changed a little bit. We certainly were more in the multifamily apartments um, and had thousands of units, and it's, it was probably even more geographically focused, you know, in the northeast um, and in Canada. And today, like I said, we're more focused on, you know, triple net. So. Th- it, not that anybody every you're never immune to regulation obviously but obviously with the you know recent regulatory changes um, that affected a lot of you know landlords you know certainly in, in New York with a lot of our partners um, for us we really weren't you know affected by that we're talking our tenants are you know A Wells Fargo with a 25-year lease. They're companies that are doing 200 million in revenue, um, very you know, very conservative leverage, so it uh, it certainly um, there was for us a a shift in focus and like we were talking about this morning a little bit, um, it's almost like a you know, very conservative uh, bond, you know, where you're actually producing a lot and um, you know, to offer that to you know, we always put our capital in, but to offer that to other are their co-investors? I think they really appreciate that and like that.
0: Great, excellent. Can you speak a little bit more about the regulations that you're talking about in New York?
4: Yeah. So, um, you know, the recent regulation really has. Has stopped, um, and I'm not going to say what side is is really right between the the landlord and the tenants. Uh, you know, that's a we can have a whole panel, I think, uh, on that. But you know, in a nutshell, um, you know, it it stopped landlords from increasing increasing rents. Um, you know, they're stabilized and and now they're regulated and they can't increase um, beyond a certain point. And what happens a lot of times, in you know, is that the landlords come in, they increase. You know, they do renovations. On they'll do renovations on an apartment. Eventually, are able to to increase the rent, and now it's only up to a certain amount. Um, so that's been uh, you know we've seen a lot of families that we co invest. All of a sudden, landlords, um, you know, say, well, we're just not going to put any more renovations in. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not going to get into that. You know, and and it could lead to you know a housing crisis for sure. Um, I think that uh, it definitely could lead to that. Um, you know, so. Like I said, we were a little, you know, uh, immune to that in that sense that we're not dealing, we're not dealing with that. And and certainly, like I said, I think you, people fall on both sides, and I don't know that there's a, a great solution right now. You know, I know so I know a landlord that said, you know, they called up, uh, you know, all their construction workers and said, that's it, don't come in. You know, that was part of, you know, obviously the ability to to continue to improve the apartments and. Um, you know, for us, you know, thank God we really were not. Uh, I think that
1: that's t- going to have a, an impact on pricing on values across the. So under- I think, uh, yeah,
4: I, I ultimately think that that will have an impact, and that will lead to, to definitely a crisis where, like I said, uh, I know someone, I know someone who literally they just called up and they were doing construction in a lot of places and you know improving apartments, and they just said we're, we're not doing that. You know, so it uh, it certainly can Im- in can affect the quality of the apartments and the pricing.
0: Great, thank you. Um, and um, for we'll uh, start with Vasco on this question. But uh, where do you see things missing in the marketplace? Is it more debt products, more global investment opportunities?
1: Um, so you know, in reality, is in, in in my opinion, real estate is extremely uh, market uh, specific. So you know, really, every building, every property has mm-hmm. its own features, its own story, and um, and so, you know, go- going more global within one portfolio is not, is not necessarily the way we would go about it. We, would, we do a lot of direct investments and direct investments in very specific properties that have different features. And I wouldn't necessarily group those in um, in a different in, in, in a whole, in a portfolio because I think they, they really act um, differently. Uh, what's missing in a portfolio, in my opinion, is maybe some, um, some structured products, especially as we... Um, as we go into a, a potential, not necessarily downturn, but slowdown, um, you know, structured products that allow to give uh, to, to provide investors with some uh, some downside protection without leaving too much of the upside on the table. And I know that, you know, those type of products, of course, exist in, in other asset classes, perhaps not so much in, um, in real estate right now. Uh, w- one thing I would say about, um, you, you know, the um, potential slowdown in the market is that, frankly, I kind of welcome that in the sense that the, the best investments that we've done were properties that were acquired in 2009 mm-hmm. and 2010. And, um, you know, not, not, not easy days, but if you are well capitalized in those, in those moments, yep. you can, uh, at least in my experience, do some, some, some very interesting uh, uh, investments. So I'm, I'm not entirely opposed to a little slowdown here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think what we saw back then as well is we saw a lot of foreign money come in during those years as well. Do you agree? Yeah.
1: Well, again, foreign money in the US uh, comes in different waves uh, from different parts of the world. Um, I don't think uh, it has necessarily stopped uh, as much as people people think. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, but that's definitely a key component.
0: Great. And Tisha?
2: I would say that I'd love to see more international deals. I'm definitely concerned about currency and having that affect my profits and also taxation. Um, I'm very tax sensitive, so that's really important to me. But I'd love to see an opportunity. I'm not going to look away. Um, I think if we have a market change, I think it would be fantastic to deploy capital. We don't always just jump on every single deal. We have um, cash available. When it's the right time. And so that's also part of a strategic strategy. So I guess I'm not opposed to any good opportunity, um, but something that would be exciting is an international exposure.
0: Great. And uh, I'm going to open up the room to questions here in just a minute. So uh, just a heads up on that. Uh, I do have a question as well uh, for you, Tisha, in terms of how you're seeing these companies like Airbnb and these, uh, you know, and the. And the landscape changing for them, you know, even on the legislative side. How have you seen that affect hospitality? Are you guys on the lookout for that? How do you guys perceive that from your point of view when investing in hospitality?
2: I think I'm watching regulations into the individual cities and states that we are invested in. So that's more of a correlation that we're looking at. But people are going to still need to stay places if they're going to hotels. It's still a supply and demand now. So I don't think that it's going to go away overnight.
0: Mm. How involved are you guys in the hospi- in hospitality, in the hospitality deals that you guys get involved in? Are you guys putting managers or like advisors in there? Are you guys getting really involved or just strictly?
2: Yeah. So we have a back office behind us that actually does a lot of additional due diligence. So we have um, a man people on the ground to go check out the different deals as well. And then a lot of times people come to us and then we oversee it. So we're hands on as far as what's going on, on but we're not managing it on a day-to-day.
0: Got it, got it. And um, for the, for, for uh, starting with Fadi, I'm going to ask you kind of a new question. Um, What, what is something that you would like to see here? What is uh, something that you guys are definitely on the lookout for in terms of deals, properties? Yeah.
3: Um, I mean, we're always looking. I, I saying that we were in the Midwest and Southeast, and that's only because that's where we found the deals for a long time doesn't, we're not uh, we're not stuck in those locations. We've been looking elsewhere. We're very patient. We're conservative in how we approach things, but we're opportunistic. We we hold a lot of cash, waiting for a downturn. Um, so if there is a downturn, we're going to be very aggressive. Uh, we're currently looking elsewhere, uh, just because we see there's a lot more interest in the Midwest, and you know, as as more and more interest builds up, we we anticipate at some point prices moving up, and that's when we tend to. Go s- go elsewhere. Got it. So, um, um, I don't know, did I answer your question?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hear the term direct deal come up a lot. I get it on the phone a lot. I'm kind of curious when you guys hear that word from people. What what are your what are your thoughts for when you guys hear direct deal?
3: We've only done direct deal mm. for, you know, 19 and a half years. Where we started doing a fund to accommodate wealth managers. And f- we've had a few family offices that really liked us, like our philosophy, liked our assets, but they only did funds. So we've been talking to them for three years, and they can't co-invest because they only do funds. They don't have a due diligence process. So you know, we finally set up a fund, which I c- every time I keep saying it's going to be launched this week, but I've been saying this since February. So it's coming out soon, apparently. But it's going to be mainly for wealth managers. And, um, but up until now, we've done direct deals with mm-hmm. families. Great.
2: Uh, I just want to add to that. That's something that keeps us strategic in our in our space because not a lot of people can play in that area. So that's something that it works for us.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say the same thing. You know, in, in, in our opinion, the, the direct deals are, you know, a lot of time better, in my opinion, than 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 the fund uh, investments in real estate. You know, it it takes uh, some additional knowledge, some additional skills in house. Uh, that maybe some, some groups don't have, but uh, it's definitely uh, given like very interesting results for for at least for for our portfolio.
4: Right. Evan? Um, yeah, so we like I said we're generally doing directs. We've created you know SPVs, you know, so that people can can come in um, just depending on their their check size or you know their ability to invest mm-hmm. um, in a fund or directly into a deal. So you know we're always looking on a deal by deal. Basis, you know, and seeing whether or not to create that vehicle, you know, to accommodate people coming in with us. Great, thank you.
0: Uh, I'll take questions from the audience now. Right over here, do you have a microphone? Great, and your yeah. name for the audience as well.
4: Srini Bhattu from San Francisco Bay Area. We mm-hmm. own a bunch of uh, big box retail, uh, Kmart, co and i'm trying to repurpose that uh, independent senior living more like housing or a uh, self storage okay. my question is any of the panelists have done any kind of repurpose of retail building which is coming a lot of supply and we can buy a discount uh, in any housing or self storage any other ideas okay. hmm.
2: um,
1: so yeah uh, happy to, to to start we the, the industrial property that we just acquired in um, in L.A. is, is going to be reconverted into um, um, mixed use uh, and uh, some of that is going to be a residential office and retail. Um, the, uh, so that's an example that we, we're doing right now. It's not necessarily uh, a retail I- initially, but we have to go through the, ho- the similar process of changing the zoning, changing the entitlement and, um, and all of that, which is the expensive, time-consuming, and, and involves a lot of um, political arm twisting, also at the local level. So, but that being said, I mean in our opinion, it's it's worth the investment, you know, especially because, like you say, you probably will pay an interesting price for those assets that you're looking at right now. And so, it's it's if you have the time, the patience, and the resources, it's 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 a good idea to go through that uh, that process.
0: Would anybody else like to add on to that question in terms of? having seen or being familiar with repurposing old retail buildings into maybe a senior living,
3: self-storage,
0: and how that's working out?
3: We, we've looked at repurposing. It's not really our thing, but some of our, our partners, uh, fully integrated real estate families. Um, it, it just has to make sense. We, we, there's enough runway in what we're currently doing that why, why get into anything else at this stage? Uh, but again, we we look for opportunities, but in, in what we're doing in office space and secondary markets, we've moved to downtown locations in, in some situations now. We still feel we have a lot of runways, so we wouldn't – we look at stuff way ahead of time, I mean, including ge- geographically. I mean, we did a, about 3 million square feet outside of Chicago, but we were looking at that area for six years, so we're very patient. And uh, I guess I suppose that's uh, served us well.
0: I see Detroit coming up a lot in conversations in my circles. And yeah,
3: we y- like Michigan. We yeah. like uh, you know, university towns, hospital towns. We like Novi, Michigan. We've done, again, when we go in, we're typically going to want to do at least a million square feet so we can, in a sense, um, uh, get some scale in, 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 in leasing and in property management. It's part of our strategy. So again, we looked in the area for a long time before we went in there. Yeah. Yes.
0: Thank you. Uh, n- next question, a gentleman over here. Your name for the audience, please. Sure, uh, my name is Steve Brennan. Uh, quickly, uh, really quick, uh, just two questions actually. Um, sizing, what kind of position size, deal size are you looking at? And then in terms of downturn, how much do you guys actually look at timing things versus following a pretty steady pacing plan and
4: just looking for diversity across years, to um, even out the portfolio? Thank you.
0: Would anybody like to take that question on?
4: I mean, what like I said, when we're looking at uh, when we're looking at, at a lease, if we're going to take over a building, I mean, a lot of these are, you know, 20, 25 year leases, where every five years they're you know increasing, um, you know, they're increasing in rent. So we definitely are looking, you know, for long term, um, and that's part of the strategy. Obviously, when you're looking at a conservative, uh, you know, type of investment like Triple Net, so. would
0: you like to elaborate on your question? Maybe parts of the question that. great so uh we'll do a quick just deal size and uh and focus area just really quick to recap on that so great that. thank you
1: so um for us i'd say uh, the ticket size is probably 10 to 20 um like i was saying before you know a lot of multifamily and more more industrial right now and then um you know the, the we invest for the long term so six Seven, eight years, very patient capital. Um, it's actually part of our uh, downturn uh, protection strategy. The fact that you know, yes, there will be a cycle, but we we're not sellers. Um, and then um, you know, if we can do two times our investment in four to five years, we're quite happy with that. Actually, on the real estate side.
2: DEAL SIZE, IT REALLY DEPENDS. Um, WE LOOK AT THE OPPORTUNITIES. SO FOR US, um, IT'S BOTTOM LINE. IT'S THE NUMBERS THAT WE'RE LOOKING FOR. SO IF YOU THINK THAT YOU'RE GONNA... WE WANT CASH FLOW OPPORTUNITY ALREADY. SO IF YOU'RE POSITIVE CASH FLOW, WE'RE LOOKING AT WHAT DOES THAT LOOK LIKE? IS THERE WAYS THAT WE ADD CAPITAL? WILL YOU... um, WHAT KIND OF IMPROVEMENTS WILL YOU LOOK AT? Um, And how will that affect your bottom line? Will there be passive losses um, also passed along to the the client as well so that we can take care of that And if there's offset with cash flow? Um, So as far as the additional questions you had on um, region, it it all really depends. It's really, for us, it's the bottom line. Uh, Duration, it also, we have. we're really diversified so I'm going to say that as long as like timing sometimes we have an exit strategy of one to three years we don't really like anything longer than a 10 year hold um, that's kind of our threshold but you know we're comfortable with five seven that's a sweet spot Great,
3: thank you Fadi? our deal size I mean historically our smaller deals which we haven't done in a while are probably about 10 million and our biggest deal was in the 300 million range and Probably next year we'll do something substantially bigger that we're looking at. Um, in terms, of, uh, I mean, our our strategy is more not the deal size, but if we might do a small deal if it's in an area where we're already a major player. If we're adding on 300,000 square feet in an area where we've got 2 million, that's that's easy. But I don't think we'd go into an area with 300,000 square feet and that's the, the only deal we'll do for a number of years. Return expectations we underwrite. I mean, historically our you know our IRRs have been in the 20 plus for for. Twenty-something years, but we're not IRR driven, or we would flip our assets a lot quicker. We we tend to hold our positions and hold a lot of cash in every asset. So if we were focused on IRR, we wouldn't be doing that. But um, we underwrite typically 15% and very conservatively. I mean, it's, it's all in the buy on the type of real estate that we're we're purchasing.
4: Uh, so we have we have one arm actually that does you know we'll place capital you know debt equity from one to three million and then our. Low high when it comes to ticket size, I would say on uh, you know triple net is probably 10 to 10 to 40. Um, when it comes to purchasing a nursing home, we're probably looking in that 30 to 40 million dollar range. Um, again, we're looking for you know income producing um, you know properties, and you know when it comes to nursing homes where we can actually step in and we know how to improve um, you know the operations to you know that's where we capture a lot of value.
0: Fantastic. Great. Uh, so if we can give a round of applause to our <laughs> panelists on the real estate side. Thank you so much. Um, before, uh, before the panelists get up, before anybody gets up, I'm just going to leave you with a couple final notes. Um, for our new members, for our new members, please make sure that you introduce yourself to Jennifer Velasquez at the front registration desk, if, especially if you want to get familiar with the additional benefits that are part of your membership. Uh, and your client portal. Uh, second, uh, we have four more panels going on today and then we'll be having our cocktail reception around four o'clock. So there are four more panels. We are cutting off to lunch now at 1245. We're going to be back in the room at 1.30 for our next panel and speakers. What time everybody? Great. I really appreciate it, everybody. Everybody have an, enjoy their lunch and we'll see you back at